0: Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Renegades Roundup found on Anchor, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and just about anywhere else that you can find a podcast. My name is Zach, and I'm very, very excited about this episode that we've got for you. Not just because we get to talk about the XFL some more, but also because we've got some news in relation to this podcast Uh, On our previous episode, we talked about how we're just excited for the program to be back, how we're excited for the XFL to be back, but now we get to take it one step further and we're going to talk about that and a whole bunch of other things on this episode. For those of you who are new to the program, I'm Zach, and joining me on the show, co-host of Renegades Roundup, Mr. Joe Scanlon.
1: How's it going, Zach? Been Been a little bit, been a little bit. Good to be back talking with you. How's everything going, man?
0: Oh, dude, it's been a heck of a week, and next week's gonna be a heck of a week too, because I uh, resume online classes through Liberty University, and that's gonna be a really interesting thing to navigate. But uh, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for football season, which is uh, you know high school football right around the corner. And then uh, who knows what's gonna be lying beyond that. But uh, in the in the time span between our last episode and this one, we got to break some exciting news on social media that this podcast has a new affiliate that we get to be a part of. and Yes, sir. And that is that is a really exciting thing to say because, you know, last year we got just over 150 people following us, and that was just through really organic growth, talking to people in the DFW community. But obviously our, our momentum was kind of stopped short when the season was canceled. It's like, well, what the heck do we do now? And so not only do we get to bring the podcast back, but we get to bring back our social media presence. We get to collaborate with a whole bunch of other XFL-related uh, presenters on this network called XFL Press. And uh, it was it was founded by Alex McKinnon, who's been involved in the XFL community. And uh, hopefully we can get him on later. If we don't, that's okay, because we're still really excited about what the future holds with Renegades Roundup and with XFL Press. And here to talk about all of that with us is a longtime well-known XFL insider who also recently joined XFL Press. Please help me welcome Connor Falk.
2: Dude, thanks for joining us. Uh, of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm, I know Alex and I are stoked to have you guys as a part of XFL Press. Uh, super excited for, for what's in store.
0: Now, for for anybody who maybe hasn't heard of XL Press, which is pretty likely because it's only been around for about a week, week and a half, uh, how would you describe what it's trying to do, what it represents, and what kind of vision we're trying to cast moving forward? Our
2: vision now and moving forward is trying to make a XFL news platform that is based around a little bit more professionalism, I would say, uh, moving away from amateurism as far as covering this exciting reestablished league. Uh, and, and I say that when I mean uh, we have writers with journalism, communications backgrounds. We have people that have joined XFL Press that worked for the XFL. We're paid employees with the XFL. We have people with extensive sports management sports industry background so i think a lot of us have very good understandings of the sports business realm and the effects it has as the xfl tries to once again establish itself for the for the third time here
1: mm-hmm.
2: um and i think that's maybe the biggest part of our brand that makes us special and makes us i in what i feel like makes us have just an immeasurable amount of potential moving forward is the people that we're adding on. Uh, we, we just added on a a guy named Devin Jackson, uh, as one of our writers, Devin is a verified account on Twitter because he is actually a reporter for one of his local news stations, just like you, Joe. So I think the people that were loaded up here have great backgrounds, great experiences, even great educational backgrounds. And I think that's all going to come down to great content, great writing, and uh, I think we'll be a respectable force in this realm right here.
0: Well, I mean, it's interesting you say that because as we speak, as we record this episode, we are very, very near 1,000 followers on the XFL Press Twitter page. And that page has been around for like a week or something like that. So just exponential popularity and growth in the first several days and several articles that have already been written and published with the, with the hopes of, of getting some of that engagement and creating some hits and, and some viewership and who knows where that could lead. You know, we we've done everything from, from profiles to opinion articles, uh, some, some scouting uh, rumors, I believe, you know, it's really interesting how much you can cover in a league that only, two weeks ago two or three weeks ago barely even existed (laughs) and so uh it's 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 a lot for us to navigate but i think we're navigating it well joe what um how 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 would you describe like the process for our podcast trying to come into the fold with xfl press it was it it was it was pretty it it was pretty much negotiated by you like you told me all about it and i was like dude i'm loving everything you're telling me
1: Yeah, I did. I did a lot of the legwork, but uh, not to toot my own horn. But yeah, I just, you know, I saw this was kind of starting up and I said, you know, hey, you know, Zach, you'll agree with me. We were pretty much the premier Renegades podcast. Um, We got a lot of uh, action, a lot of retweets and tweets with um, the uh, official Renegades Twitter, yeah. So we were kind of we we got a lot of looks, a lot of views, and that's kind of how we got to 150 followers uh, on our own. You know, we were pretty much independent uh, in the spring. Um, So when I saw XFL press starting to gain momentum, I said, "Hey, we need to jump on that." So I reached out to Alex. You know, he listened to a couple of the episodes liked what he heard and you know that here we are man and yeah being a part of xfl press being a part of something that's growing so tremendously so quickly is really really good not just for us but for you know for the xfl press as a whole everyone brings something to the table that makes this organization work uh or it's going to make this organization work really well so uh, it's honestly everything's just looking up and i mean we're already getting some attention from you know bailey carlin the former XFL social media guy, he gave yep. us a shout out, said uh, yep. that kind of helped. That That's what helped our follower count that day. Uh, I think we went up, like, what, 200, 300 in a day? So, yep. you know, the, the sky's the limit. Um, and so it's really exciting to be a part of uh, an organization like this.
0: It, it really is. And, Connor, um, you were you were mentioning people who, who have that type of communications experience, journalism, backgrounds. uh. Let, let's talk just briefly about some of your background and what led to your joining XFL Press. Like you had been an insider when the league was uh, at its peak during the spring, right before COVID, and uh, you kind of broke the news about COVID shutting the league down. Um, what what led to you being so involved in the XFL? Like, what was what was your background leading up to that experience, and how do you think it's shaping? uh, your influence on XFL press.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated from college with a sports management degree, uh, have a really strong sports, uh, industry background. I, uh, worked for a sports agency when I was still in high school, um, was really deeply involved with collegiate athletics and NASCAR all throughout college. In addition to uh, running the uh, sports management club at my uh, college, Georgia Southern University, so I was deeply involved with that. I moved on uh, and took a full-time internship with the now called Washington Football Team. Um, <laughs> and uh, don't, don't even get me started about that. I can't wait until they have a flat-out new name because I hate calling them the Washington Football Team. <laughs> I don't think anybody planned, really enjoys. Um, so, uh, although I can tell you, my former colleagues are probably happy about the name change purely because we would get screamed at by fans for both on both sides of the issue. I had people screaming at me, telling me to change the name, which obviously I did not have power over. And then I had people screaming at me, telling me to absolutely not change the name, which obviously, again, I did not have power over. Right. So constant verbal abuse for people. So I'm sure they're pretty happy about that. But yeah, I worked as a full-time intern in the charitable department for the, for Washington uh, where I worked like 60 hours a week for like six months that transitioned into a full-time role in their fan engagement department where I spent full-time working for the team um, f- uh, for, for a little over three, for, a little under three seasons is, is how long I was involved with the team. Uh, transitioned out of the sports industry for a million reasons that I could pack this podcast for like four hours worth of talking about. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I am now in a completely different industry. But one thing that was always just really tying me down was I missed sports. Yep. I didn't know how to get involved in sports again because uh fact was, is I, I was just making so much more money than I ever did even close in the sports industry. Uh, and once you're making, once you're making a livable income, it's really hard to go back to the sports industry. Yep. Um, so I knew I wasn't going back as far as like working full time for an NFL team or another sports organization. And then the, I, I saw that the XFL was gaining momentum. I was super familiar with it. I followed it since Vince McMahon and announced the the XFL 2.0 concept. So I was really involved, and I just decided to send an email uh, to XFL News Hub and, and Mark Perry over there at XFL News Hub. I sent him an email, and it was just like a lengthy email with a ton of opinions on where the league was going he sent me it back and was like wow uh do you want to write for the website never thought about it never thought about it but i was just like hey why not started a twitter account you know to back my writing uh it was really quiet for a while and then i just i started building really solid connections and like high levels of both individual organizations and the league and that helped me start breaking news uh, where, where for a while there, I, I was breaking stories before Schefter and and you know the big dogs. Yeah. I, I was definitely on the ground right. with some uh, with some success there, uh, and then that just exploded my follower my follower count. Uh, before I knew it, I was a credentialed reporter uh, with the DC Defenders and the league itself. I was sitting in on press conferences, staring at Cardell Jones. I was sitting in press conference, uh, like it, it just it got kind of ridiculous because I went from an account with like two hundred followers, completely unknown person to I was telling you before this episode. I topped out at six thousand four hundred followers Man. when the league folded.
1: Man.
2: So um, luckily, I, I I learned so much in in that in the spring. i I learned so much, and I think I'm able to go into this season. Just a lot more mature um, and and a lot more capable of being the quote-unquote insider or whatever people want to call me that people have kind of come to expect. Um, I'm currently rebuilding my network of sources, uh, which I think is really strong so far. So, you know, I'm excited for for what's possible. And the great thing is, is since you guys joined XFL Press, you guys can kind of play a part in that momentum that hopefully I'm able to build because every time I retweet you, my expectation and my hope is that some of my followers will get to know you guys and follow you guys both through the podcast and on your personal accounts.
0: Well, that, that is a hope and and that's always appreciated. And I I hope that you don't think that that's like our expectation of you is like, we only joined it. So you would retweet us (laughs) like there's, there's so much that XFL press has to offer because as a, journalism major myself i really haven't had a whole lot of bylines recently because like you i've kind of gone into the private sector i'm I'm doing stuff that is paying the bills but doesn't really avail myself to doing a whole lot that i actually got my freaking degree in and so (laughs) It, it, it's it's like a catch-22 because I'm, I'm doing this other job to pay for school so that I have the degree so that I can go back into the industry, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I really do feel like sports is where I belong just based on my experiences and the organizations that I've worked with, the way that I've handled myself in various situations. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I, I feel like there is a certain need for, like, establishing credibility with a new organization like xfl press because i know joe you've got experience at your news organization and the stuff that you did at ut arlington before that uh why don't why don't we share or reshare some of our previous experiences that kind of led to getting to xfl press i'm not trying to like lay out your whole resume for you but what have been some of the highlights that have led up to joining xfl press
1: uh, yeah, man. Well, first I was born, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> not that then, far uh, back. Yeah. Uh, so it gets it started. Um, it started when I was at Beloit college in Wisconsin, man. Um, you know, I started doing play by play for the basketball teams and the football team. And then I played baseball in the spring. Um, so then, you know, when I transferred to UTA or back home, I guess, you know, I'm from Arlington, uh, you know, I was able to jump into UTA radio sports really quickly, play by play there. Covering um, you know sports stories and stuff, doing stuff for the radio uh, broadcasts and uh, hosted my own show. So you know that kind of you know got me involved with you know doing radio, talking over the air, um, putting my opinions out there. You know something I really hadn't done a lot of before college. So um, you know that then followed with, you know, working for K-10, you know, uh, up here in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, it just kind of, you know, just built off what I started at UTA. Um, and then, you know, when you approached me and said, hey, let's do the XFL pro- podcast, we can cover the Renegades since they're right in our backyard. Yeah. Of course, I was going to say yes. Um, I love, I love, you know, going to that ballpark to watch Ranger games. So uh you know when I you know when the when the XFL came I was like I got to get in there I got to you know at least get back in there and watch uh watch some football you know a brand new experience and mm-hmm. you know we started the podcast it built up speed and you know now here we are with XFL Press and honestly if you told me whenever we started this that we'd join organization with a bunch of top XFL names um how many months later? Uh, like what? Eight months later, in the middle of a pandemic, I would have uh, I would have said you were crazy. Yeah, well, here we are, and yeah. so this has really been an experience, and uh, it's been awesome. And that's all because you you had the idea, and you came up to me, and you 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 said, "Hey, let's get up let's get on this right now, and let's be the number one Renegades podcast."
0: And you know that's that's what we've become, which I'm I'm really excited about, and I'm excited that you know we get to have the opportunity to collaborate with the people at xfl press and take it even further you know like you said there were there were a few other uh renegades themed podcasts out there uh, probably two or three that we took note of but their followership just never grew (laughs) and their listenership just never seemed to take off and uh ours just kept growing you know like you said the likes and the retweets that our personal pages were getting the attention that we were getting uh on our podcast page was was really encouraging in the dfw area and now getting to take that to a, a more national level because the last time i checked um connor you mentioned experience with with Cardell jones and the defenders you're out in the virginia dc area correct
2: yes that's correct yeah i live in northern virginia
0: yeah so we've got we've got some influence out east we've got some people that are a part of xfl press that are out in california and then we we've got you know it's like a coast to coast kind of thing and for us to be kind of smack dab in the middle of that helping with some of the the Dallas coverage is is really cool cuz you know if if there's opportunities to do things as media personnel at Renegades games rather than just right. season ticket holders like that's that's a that's a big step forward for for us as as reporters and podcasters and getting to work with XFL press gives us just that much more credibility, you know, being able to say that we, that we belong in that press box, that our opinions, our thoughts are ones that are valid and being listened to by, you know, X amount of people. And I feel like that X factor is just going to increase by working with XFL press. And I think that's one thing that, that I'm really excited about. Um, For me personally, just for anybody that's curious, uh, I have worked doing game day stuff for the Dallas Wings for the last four seasons, the WNBA. Uh, obviously, playing in the bubble this year affected my uh, status as a, as a game day contractor, but I did a lot of media coverage and post-game interviews and uh, just game day type media operations for them for the last several seasons. I worked in communications, communications marketing and game operations at UT Arlington for about four years working in their athletic department and then I did some high school football reporting for the Dallas Morning News for a season or two and now I get to be the radio voice for a local high school here in Arlington the Arlington High School Colts Um, and that's been a really cool opportunity because their new home stadium is going to be Globe Life Park. Their, their oh, wow. district signed a agreement where Arlington High and Arlington Martin get to play their home games at GLP. So I'm going to be broadcasting games from that press box come uh, next month, which I'm really, really excited about. So just a ton of momentum in the DFW area, a ton of momentum for the XFL uh, in general. I wanted to ask you guys, um, Connor, we can we can start with you because because you're the guest. Uh, what was it? initially that just drew you to being so involved in the xfl like you could have gone into nhl you could have done nfl stuff because you got experience with the washington football team what was it about the xfl that caused you to get so involved
2: yeah i i mean it's it's the opportunity i i mean anything new is going to give you a better opportunity than something that has has an established base so like I love sports. I I mean, like I'm deeply involved in NASCAR and I do have business interests still in that sport. I love the NFL. I love the NHL. I love major league baseball, love college football. I could have really, I could have gotten involved with any of those, but Mm -hmm. what the XFL represented was an opportunity to, to make myself and, and just really set the tone for for what I want this to be. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if if I was covering the NFL or I was covering the NHL, there there's zero chance that I would have even close to the following I do with the XFL because there is such a thirst for information on this league and these players and these coaches and these front office staffers that um, people are just just really yearning for it and, and clawing at the door to try to get that information. And it's to the point where if you have that information, they don't give a crap about where you come from. They don't care about your experiences. Really. They, they really open the door for you if you work and you have that information for them and you find a way to turn information into something that is very easily digestible mm-hmm. for anybody on twitter anybody on a certain website facebook whatever uh if you're able to do that you can really go places i mean just think of the number of um i've been lucky enough to get a ridiculous amount of just national radio interviews involving the xfl i've been on fox i've been on espn networks i've been on sirius xm i've I've spoken with John Jensen, who is one of my all-time favorite Washington football players of all time uh, and a potential Hall of Famer down the road. I've uh, been able to uh, speak with uh, people I really just looked up to. I've gotten direct messages from uh, broadcasters that are literally some of my role models in all of sports. I grew up watching them on ESPN Sports Center. They sent me messages saying that they would look at my content every single weekend before they would go on the air for ABC uh, XFL wow. football games. It's just amazing, wow. amazing opportunities. And, you know, like no interest in tuning my horn here. Uh, I, I know that it probably comes off like that, but I'm just saying, like, I'm a normal guy. I am a completely normal person. Uh, you know, my coworkers at my real job would just crack up at at the fact that I have almost 6,000 Twitter followers and I get national sports radio interviews and I've turned this into a real legitimate thing. I've gotten offered full-time jobs in sports journalism through this XFL role. Wow. uh, Which is, it's funny. It's, it's just, it's really funny, but I, I absolutely love it. It gives me something every single day to be super excited about and, and, it gives me something to continue to strive to get better because I of course wanna keep my standing as, as one of the top reporters in the XFL and I, I just wanna keep getting better. I want to give fans more of what they like. And I I wanna make these players and these coaches and these XFL staffers proud because uh, you know, I do think I play a part in, in helping this league grow. So I'm gonna keep at that.
0: Well, I, I really like what you said about when when there's a need and you're able to provide it then people are going to consume what you're giving out like i've i've come to experience that just at the at the local level with the high school radio broadcast that i'm doing you know we did a an interview with the with the football coach about how they're handling the social distancing procedures during practices and and workouts and things like that cuz there's a lot of parents out there that maybe don't feel so safe about sending their kids into a situation like that and when when that interview dropped it just it spread because there were so many people that wanted to hear that content and then if you take that to a more to a more national league wide level you know there are people that have heard about the XFL but you know they want to know more about it they want to understand what's going on what some of the breaking news is that kind of thing and to have somebody that can put that all in one place is really both refreshing and comforting because now you don't have to go to five or six different places to try and corroborate the information you only need one or two and i think i think that's one of the things that i'm really excited about XFL Press and and having you on board with it in in, in specifically is People really only need to go to XFLpress.com for the latest information because people like you and reporters that are as connected are, are going to be putting that content out on a regular basis.
2: Yes, I completely agree. That's very uh, exciting.
0: Uh, Joe, I feel like I already know the answer because you and I have done several episodes <laughs> related to the Renegades. But, right. um, you know, what? what was the appeal of the XFL? Was it just the new league or was it just the the Dallas aspect of it like was was there some other X factor that brought you into interest in the XFL
1: uh you know having football after the Super Bowl really piqued my interest um having some of these name these big name players that used to you know Roamed the fields of college and, uh, the, and the NFL. Yeah, they didn't have the best NFL career, most of them. But, you know, these are some high-profile. You know, Cardell Jones leading his team to a national championship. Landry Jones, high-profile quarterback at OU. Um, you know, that, I, that was kind of the allure to me. And then also what really brought me in was, you know, growing up in Arlington, growing up near Cowboys Stadium, I could never afford to go to a Cowboys game.
0: Ugh, I can't wasn't even afford to it.
1: park there. Yeah, I yeah I couldn't afford to park. I mean, let alone get into the game. So when the XFL comes out and they're given and they're doing twenty dollar, thirty dollar tickets, that's a deal. I, you get to watch football, high level football the price of going out to eat three times, which that's an easy sacrifice. So that that really is what kind of got me into the XFL. It's like, hey, if I want to go to a game, literally, you don't even have to like plan for it. You could just be like, hey, you know, hey, the running games are playing today. Why not? Why not? We can get the twenty-five dollar ticket, sit in the end zone, and uh, enjoy a game. Yep. Instead of you know, okay, if I save up for three months, I can get the fourth level at AT&T Stadium, right? Um, and uh, we, we'll go to the Cowboys game, guys. And you you so, go, you
0: go to the party deck, and you're standing and watching the big screen over everybody else's shoulders.
1: Yeah, no, that see, and yeah, those tickets are cheaper, but like you're standing the whole time. If you leave your spot, it's gone. So yep um yeah that never it appealed to me very much so that's why the xfl i feel like had such a great following it was for the the blue collar fans the fans who can't afford to go to nfl games the fans who want to go have a good time out at a game and uh like i said the atmosphere of globe life park um oh i'm so sorry i even said it the atmosphere of the ballpark in arlington uh <laughs> is uh really i think that was probably one of the best atmospheres, the best visuals as far as the stadium goes, because, you know, it was the only pretty sure it's the only stadium that was a baseball stadium turned into a football stadium. So yeah. I feel like that just added a different level to it um yeah. than some of these other, you know, soccer stadiums or NFL stadiums.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that it was it was either a, a converted soccer stadium or just, you know, straight up playing where the Seattle Seahawks play or something like that. So yeah. um You're right that the atmosphere was something unique in Arlington. And it's funny you mentioned that because atmosphere was one thing I wanted to ask Connor about. You know, having worked with the Washington football team and then having experienced some D.C. Defender stuff, how would you describe the atmosphere of those two places? What are like some of the similarities and what were some of the differences?
2: Well, uh, the difference is that people at D.C. Defender games were happy. Um... (laughs) 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 Probably the most basic one. Um, I, I can I can talk y'all zero off for uh, the amount of times I have fans at FedEx Field, which is the uh, stadium of the uh, Washington football team, uh, literally physically threatened to fight me. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, DC, you could just tell it it was a different demographic that was at DC Defender games. Washington games were very very old school like people that were there were the long time loyalists that just it, it was a uh, older demographic you know not many families yeah like i uh one of the most negative things i consistently had told to me by washington fans was that a lot of people didn't feel comfortable bringing their little children to games because it uh people would just get ridiculously drunk uh you know just a ridiculous amount of just nightmarish stories that made people just want to not bring their little kids well that wasn't existent at the dc defender games i saw a ton of families there um i i absolutely loved the amount of like college frat bros that were going out to audi field for dc defender yep that's where we got that beautiful beer snake yeah, uh, Red Solo Cups. Yep, you know it, it was all the, it was all the American University, George Mason University, uh, frat bros that were just going to a game. Some nice weather in the middle of the spring, drinking some nice affordable beers, and just watching a game and just enjoying it. You know, I, one of my favorite things is the. I went to uh, each of the home games uh, for the DC Defenders. And I, I just loved it. That first home game, first game in league existence, uh, the DC Defenders are m- marching down the field, and the entire cha- the the entire crowd is just connecting on a cohesive chant, uh, telling, uh, like yelling for the other team's f- coach to be fired. And we're like two minutes into the existence of the XFL. <laughs> I mean, after that these people were excited to be there. They were just excited to enjoy football. You know, they were excited to learn some of these new players that they could really unite around. I mean, not every one of these players were in any way known to most of the people that were in the stadium, but you know what, by the time they left, they had some new fans and you know, that was consistent across every one of the teams in the XFL. I mean, St. Louis was going to have over 50,000 fans in the stadium to watch their game, you know? And that's what gets me pumped that this thing is coming back under a very, very innovative set of owners. I I mean, Danny Garcia, career-wise, has just killed it. The Rock has obviously killed it. He's one of the most famous human beings on the face of the planet because of how successful he is. And then Redbird Capital, people forget Redbird Capital, but they have over $4 billion worth of assets that they have built themselves, including Skydance Media, which has produced like every single... Popular Netflix movie that has recently come out. They've produced some major, major box office hits. I invite you to go check out Netflix if you have an account and watch the movie. It's called Old Guard. That is a Skydance Media movie.
0: I've heard of it. Which
2: I've heard no of. It actually, yeah, and uh, it's money. It's a great freaking movie. Go check it out, but these are people that are just successful in every single field that they're involved with. I mean, Danny Garcia has a majority has a majority investment stake in a company called Kava. So Kava is a is a fast casual Mediterranean uh, restaurant. Uh, it if uh, I, I don't think they have locations in Texas, I could be wrong, um, or Oklahoma on your part, Joe. But um basically, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way has locations in Oklahoma. I'll just be completely honest with you there. Uh, but basically um it's it's a Chipotle basically. Uh you walk down the line, you say, I want this kind of rice, I want this kind of food, and, and or I want this kind of meat, these kind of vegetables, and it's exploding. It is absolutely exploding. They are everywhere in northern Virginia and as you go up on into the northeast coast. Is it Cava a C-A-V-A? I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah, correct. C-A-V-A, uh, and it's a two-part. They have a sit-down restaurant, which is uh, Cava, Cava Grill, I think it's called, but then they have Cava Meze, which Cava Meze is the fast casual, and just killing it. Killing it. So, you know, really it's at this point where I feel confident to say hey, Everything the Rock, Redbird, and Danny are touching—it's a success. You know they don't have many—they don't have many flops—is is what you can say. And and I see no reason that the XFL isn't going to be positively affected by their ownership.
0: So I'm seeing locations in California, Colorado, Connecticut, D.C., Maryland, Massachusetts, North Carolina, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, and Texas. There are there are there are two locations in Texas. One in downtown Dallas, which does not surprise me, and then but one. But that one's Austin. Huh. There's one in Austin too.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was about to say is the other one, Austin. That sounds like oh. something that Austin would love.
0: Yeah, it is something Austin would love. Yeah. But uh, the other one's actually in Plano.
1: Oh, that also makes sense.
0: Yeah, that yeah. That, that 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 borderline area between Plano and Frisco. So.
1: Oh yeah, I know that I know that area well. Yeah, that's that's even <laughs> I agree
2: with you that it fits the people from Austin very well because uh it's it's a it's a bougie fast casual experience. Yep. You know, you really need to know if you like a bunch of different types of like hummuses and like pita breads and like you know, you need a you need to be a little well-cultured I think to really appreciate Kava, but man, their food is I mean, it it is fire. It is just so good, um, and Danny plays a big part in it. She's a legitimate investor in that company.
1: Well, that that makes me excited because you know, you know, we all you know Vince McMahon did bring the league back, but you know, I think you're right, Connor. Like Dwayne the Rock, John, who doesn't love the Rock? I mean, everything he's in. Maybe the movie's not great, but he's good. Um, you know, he's just a positive energy, and that's something that this this reboot's going to need and it's going to need someone like him to get it off the ground and then like you said Danny, you know, she knows what she's doing as well. I like her the energy she's putting out on Twitter. Um, so, you know, I think that's a great partnership. You know, I think I think this 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 is the right group to get this going again and get it going the right way because if you do it the wrong way, it's going to flop again. And then there's probably isn't a fourth XFL. So, so, I have a lot of confidence in these owners and and I think I really do like have i I feel more positive for this reboot than I did the last one, and that can turn out to be kind of a success, yeah,
2: I completely agree, and let me talk about while we're talking about the owners, let's talk about the fact that the rock and Danny were married for like a decade, yep. yeah, and they have a nineteen year old daughter together, yep, you know um if uh, talking about a a cohesive unit from an ownership group i mean they know each other they know what makes each other tick. <laughs> they know uh, each and, other <laughs> and, and like, also shout like... out to shout out to how mature they are and and really having absolutely a great philosophy on on keeping that great relationship with each other through all of that i'm sure it really was a, a really great thing for their daughter, uh, them still being so dang close. But, you know, it's it's amazing because one of the things that got Danny off the ground is she has been uh, The Rock's manager uh, for so long. And her first year, based on things I've read, her first year as his manager was 2008, which was the year after they got divorced. So... You know, really just credit to them. I think it's a testament to the type of people they are. And I think it's going to be a testament to what they bring to the table for this ownership group. They've been through a lot of turmoil. All right. So I don't think much turmoil from the XFL is going to be problematic for them, if I'm going to be completely honest. Right.
0: Well, I mean, their their management skills and, and just what they bring to the table, like you were talking about, seem to fit the the dynamic that this league needs uh, trying to come back because you've got great management skills in Danny Garcia. You've got the popping personality that's going to get people engaged and excited in The Rock. And then, like you said about uh, Redbird Capital, there's a lot of assets attached to what they do, and they don't make bad investments, obviously.
2: Yeah. Two other things for me to mention about Redbird, and I, I don't want to dominate the conversation. I'm just loaded with information on these owners because I spent forever reading about hey, them. When it's, they bought the it's, it's,
0: it's fun to talk about, and I, and if anything, it just reaffirms to the listeners
2: that this is the right call. Yeah, absolutely. Redbird Capital has an ownership stake and the official hospital- premium hospitality company for the NFL. So when when the XFL gets started in a traditional format, because I think we can all realize if That's we play in
1: the where spring. where I know the name from. College.
0: I think I applied to a job at Redbird one time. Whoa. Well, you
1: didn't get it, man.
0: No, obviously I didn't, but, <laughs> but that's because it hell was in it a hell was, of a role. It, it was a it was a hospitality job at AT and T Stadium, I think, and oh. it it was it was it was more about engaging with really bougie rich people, and
2: I, I just I don't think they found me cultured enough for the job. So, but <laughs> hey, that makes a lot of sense. And as somebody that used to deal with very bougie rich people at the Washington NFL team. Uh, it can get interesting Uh, working with those types of folks, but they also own a stake in a company that does like experiential marketing and do branding for athletes, which I think is going to be huge because when they go to players, and I think they're going to aim for some players with maybe a little bit larger of name recognition than what we experienced with the XFL 2.0, they're going to be able to tell players, hey, we have a stake in this company that our entire existence is based on making you money, getting you more famous, getting you to monetize everything about your career. And that is our specialty. Do not be surprised if they find a way to involve that company in the XFL. Because I can tell you right now, The Rock does not want people that that have no name recognition. I could totally see them going for for some people that have a name. I mean, hey, Matt Leinert. Matt Leinert said he wants a piece of the XFL. I mean, I know he's been out of football for a while, but talk about somebody with some name recognition if he hey, gets involved. Put, hey, put if, him- he,
1: if Matt Leinert comes back, I want Vince Young on the phone <laughs> right away because <laughs> I want to see Vince Young, Matt Leinert, part three, immediately, immediately <laughs> if Matt Leinert wants in with the XFL.
0: Well, and I think I saw um, Chad Ochocinco say at one point that he would try and join the league if he was reached oh, about it. That. So I would.
2: I, I do have a beef with Chad Ochocinco, though. I have a beef with him because <laughs> he was supposed to try out as a kicker for the XFL last year and completely used as a uh, as a media opportunity, and then blew off the workout. So, Dude, uh, Connor, I
1: want to talk to you. I want to talk to you, Connor, because uh, why did P.F. Not get that kicking job. He was Mr. 36 yarder. That's probably
2: one of the deep mistakes of XFL 2.0. <laughs> you know, uh, PFT. I'm telling you, PFT is automatic. I would have given it if I was in charge, I would have absolutely given PFT the job. And uh because I can tell you at DC Defender Games, every time or like every time there was any missed field goal on either team, people were screaming and chanting for PFT. <laughs> It was a disaster. Every time there was a missed field goal, because every time you sh- immediately saw hundreds of tweets of people saying, "Hey, man, missed thirty-seven yard field goal. PFT would have never missed that." So exactly. hey, I would have hired him. See that
0: that's that's not something that the Renegades had to worry about. Austin McGinnis was freaking automatic last year. Automatic. He, yeah, he would he would have won special teams player of the year if that if that award existed. Um. But, you know, what's what's surprising to me is I I don't think he ended up getting an NFL contract, which was a real— He
2: did not, which really surprised me. But he's not the only one. Austin McGinnis definitely deserved a shot back in the NFL. But somebody else who was really on my radar was Taylor Russelino, who is the kicker for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Yep. That guy. I I mean, he— he has a hell of a leg. I mean, he made like a 57 yard field goal in one of the XFL games. Yep. I want to say he was, if not, if not perfect, very close to perfect on field goals. I want to say he was perfect. I, I, you know, don't hold me to this, but I want to say he was like 12 for 12 on field goals. And he didn't even get a sniff of an NFL tryout. You know, I I'm connected with him and, you know, early in the process, I was messaging him and I was like, heck yeah, man, you're going to be all over the NFL radar. And it just didn't come together. But, you know, we saw that theme for more than just special team players. I mean, oh, look yeah. at Cam Phillips.
0: Yep. Cam that Phillips was my next name. Shot. That was my next name I was about to drop. That still blows my mind.
2: I don't understand it. At first, and, you know, I made tweets about this. I had a theory that Cam Phillips – recognized that the NFL draft was insanely deep on wide receiver this year so I had a theory that Cam Phillips and his agent were being smart and waiting it out to see you know who wasn't going to draft a wide receiver and they would pursue that opportunity because I thought his fear was he would wait it out And then before we know it, uh, he he would sign with a team. And before we know it, for whatever reason, they draft like three new wide receivers, which was highly possible with how deep the draft was. And then he was out of a job and not able to compete as was what he wanted to. But, you know, he just never found a team. I I really just don't know what it is because he was healthy throughout the XFL season. And admittedly, he his problem with the NFL before the XFL was was injury scares and right. injury consistency but he was healthy in the XFL. Yeah. So I, I I don't know what the heck it was and being a Virginia Tech football fan like myself it's extra disappointing because I was really looking for another hokey to make it in the NFL.
0: Well, I mean what we <laughs> Joe and I've have been having our ups and downs with with Renegades players that maybe didn't get in, or uh, just former uh, Texas players because we're both uh, UT buffs, um, there there's there's so many snubs like that I could I could go up and down and I, and what's really ironic in in Phillips's case is I can probably think of at least four to six NFL teams that still need a good wide receiver that that, oh, yeah. he, that he would be 100%. a solid a solid contributor for, that he would make the roster if if they just gave him the freaking opportunity. Another battle hawk that, that came to mind, and I know I'm kind of hitting hard on the special teams, but I feel like special teams was one of the brightest spots of the XFL. Not just with the new kickoff rule, but just punting and field position and mm-hmm. and field goals and such like that. Like that was one of the biggest surprises for me was something that was supposed to be so uh high octane ended up being partially determined by how strong your special teams was and i think that's one of the areas that st louis thrived was when they needed to punt they had marquette king who could yeah, put I, it
1: how, yeah, in, how did he end up in the xfl because i remember he was killing it with the raiders yeah um so when i saw he was with the xfl i was kind of like what what happened with him but right. uh you know yeah you're right he definitely you know and that's that's the thing that's a that's a guy who could have probably still played the NFL just dominating the XFL where you have majority of guys, you know, either past their primes or just not at that NFL level. And so, you know, that's why, like you said, he he killed it. And
2: Yeah, what this comes down to is it's, it's another example of this just being a dang shame of the, the XFL 2.0 season not going to completion because, yep. you know, most of these guys had – six games left in them to be able to or five games left in them to be able to put film uh to these NFL scouts i can i can almost guarantee that if life was normal we never had covid xFL went to full completion of the season I truly believe that we would have saw over a hundred players make transitions to the NFL for at least a shot. I mean, I'm not saying a hundred players would have been on fi- final rosters by any means, but I'm saying, I, I think we would have had, you know, close to a hundred players that would have uh, gotten, you know, early training camp opportunities or mini camp opportunities, or, you know, as far as preseason opportunities to try to make the roster. I think we would have saw that across the board because unlike the AAF, the year prior, the XFL had young players, you have an offensive lineman named Bruno Reagan uh, for the St. Louis Battlehawks, who is highly involved on, on Twitter and really interactive with fans. Bruno is young. He had one offseason with the Kansas City Chiefs before he signed with the St. Louis Battlehawks. I want to say the guy's like uh, 20, like just turned 23 or about to turn 24. Like he is young. He is that ideal candidate to be on the NFL practice squad or somebody that NFL team stashes on their 53-man roster. It shocks me he didn't get another opportunity. I truly feel like he would have if that season would have been full to completion.
0: Well, that that kind of brings me to, uh, to, to another discussion topic I wanted to, to pitch to you guys is, um, I guess just what about, XFL 3.0 are you most excited for? Because we're looking for a complete season this year. Whether that's in a bubble or going to be in front of fans is still kind of TBD based on how the curve is flattening out in different regions. But, you know, what What seems to be like the most exciting aspect of the return of the league and, and how things are shaping up to look in 3.0? I'll
2: let you go first, Joe.
1: Um, I just, I think... From what I've been seeing on Twitter, and uh, you know, Danny posted the picture of the helmets, and I know when you know there were rumors about the XFL coming back, people were a little concerned about um, uh, relocation. I know there was a rumor that ended up not being true, thank God, of Dallas relocating to San Antonio. Um, but you know, I was a little concerned about that with the XFL 3.0. But that picture kind of solidifies for me that the teams are going to stay where they are. And they should, because those those cities, and I wrote about this on xflpress.com, those cities loved their teams for the short time that they had them. I mean, there were some diehard, you saw at the Renegades games, Zach. <laughs> I mean, there were people with custom cowboy hats, custom outfits, custom uniforms. Like, they really got into it in a very short time. And so what I'm looking forward to with this 3.0 is all of these fans coming back and then the potential to reach out to even more fans, people who like The Rock, maybe didn't give the XFL a chance uh, the first time or the second time here. But hey, we like The Rock. Let's check this out and, and see what kind of product this is and, and, and work from there. So I think the XFL is going to you know, get all their fans back and then even grow some more uh, whenever it comes back.
2: Yeah, like, building off what you just said, I am very much looking forward to an audience that will give us more of a chance because we have The Rock involved. And let me explain. Uh, Last spring, I would say, like, 60% of my energy was constantly just fighting with trolls and, like, people that just didn't want to give the XFL 2.0 any chance whatsoever, uh, partially because of people like, you know, like a lot of people have a distaste for Vince. So I feel like a distaste for Vince made me constantly having, having to be on the defensive during last spring and trying to tell people why they should give the XFL a chance telling why, you know, it was constantly me explaining to people why these TV ratings are in fact very impressive, why this attendance number on average is so impressive. It it was me constantly having to defend the league, which funny enough is one of the reasons why I was well-liked and well-connected within league circles because I think they really appreciated me constantly bashing websites like Pro Football Talk and fighting with people (laughs) on the internet constantly about the XFL but I don't envision having as much of, of that. I mean, you've already seen Mike Florio and Pro Football Talk have already taken a more positive uh, a more – they've had a more positive spin about XFL 3.0 ever since The Rock purchased it with Danny Garcia and Redbird. And I think people in general, his fans – they're, they're not going to immediately write this thing off as failure no matter what happens at the onset. They're going to give it a val- valid chance, which is really exciting to me because I am excited to talk about the players, the coaches, and give a platform to this league and help it grow instead of constantly having to defend it and fight with people on Twitter.com. Um, so I'm super stoked about that. Uh, I'm, I'm just – I'm excited to see what type of TV network or what type of broadcast deal is going to be put together for this yep. league Yeah. and not to be too cliche, but I am excited about XFL press because uh, every part of me uh, is committed to this and what Alex had as a vision when this started off and I'm sticking with it. I am here to stay and I'm here to help this thing grow. and And I truly feel like we're going to become a real force in both, XFL news and XFL podcasting. So we're extremely excited to have you guys on board.
0: Well, we're excited to be here and just excited for what's to come. That I think I think that is one of the cool things about just just the the hype around 3.0 in general is there's still a lot of unknown out there. There's still a lot of speculation to be made. There's still a lot of predictions to be had. Because right now, all we know is that it's coming back, and we know who the ownership is, and we know that the teams are staying where they are, but we don't know who the GMs and coaches are going to be yet. We don't really know the broadcasting deals, like you said. There's still a lot to report on. There's still a lot to talk about. There's still a lot to cover. And, you know, I think I think that's a great segue that, that you can have all of that in one place on xflpress.com. So, um, Connor, you're, you're probably a little bit more in the loop than I am. I'm just being honest. My job has been taking a lot of the forefront, my, my nine to five. Um, what do you think folks that go to xflpress.com can expect to find when they go there? Are they looking at potentially seeing three new articles a day, a new podcast every day or two, you know, what kind of content can they expect? from xflpress.com.
2: They can expect us to hopefully uh, lead the league and trying to break stories as an independent outlet. Uh, Definitely really committed to getting news out to to XFL fans first and as timely as possible. They can look forward to a lot of exclusive interviews that they're not going to see on other websites. I know that we're going to be really, really committed to providing in, uh, interviews to the fans. They can expect an exciting YouTube channel that I have so much faith in. I mean, um, we we literally have ESPN and XFL experience content, multimedia producer creators as a part of the XFL staff. So XFL press staff. So you're going to see exciting video content. And then, yeah, uh, I mean with the podcast network that we're putting together with you guys. And then, um, DC defenders podcast, which I'm just super stoked about. Uh, I mean, I'm so excited to have them on. They were one of my first interviews when I was completely unknown and they have a really solid following, almost 1600 followers on Twitter. Um, you know, we can expect a, a few really solid quality podcast episodes every single week. So, um, I think people are going to see just a very professional, well-organized website that just wants to give you real news, wants to give you no spin, just get you accurate, ethical information as fast as possible.
0: Well, I think that's just about anything that anyone should hope for from a news outlet. It's just it's it's a very, in my opinion, it's a, it's a delicate balance because with so much new about the league you've also got to make sure that the stuff you're putting out there is accurate because if it's not then it casts everything into a bad light i'm not saying that that's going to happen but there's there's always that potential that people are looking out for when something as new as the xfl is is pumping stuff out there so it'll yeah you've
2: seen a lot with the xfl uh a lot of people have jumped on board and They want to break the news, Uh, you know, and sometimes that and, you know, I I've maybe been guilty of it once or twice uh, on a small scale. But sometimes you jump the gun and you you report an inaccurate story because of something you heard. And um, luckily, I'm working my I'm working my tail off to try to build a network of just really, really good, trusted people in the XFL community that uh you know I'll hopefully be able to utilize for information throughout the season and you know get some good breaking stories for everybody
0: well that's awesome and uh we're we're looking forward to it let's let's say that uh that there is a bubble season in 2021 I know that this is all speculation right now but let's let's speculate and say that there is going to be a a bubble season in spring of 21 what kind of expectations would you have for xfl press as far as coverage is concerned because obviously credentialed media is going to be tough to come by depending on the location and stuff like that how how would we stay on top of our game in a bubble
2: scenario i know that several of us have connections within the league that are strong enough and and will will last no matter what format this league is going to be in. Uh, So, so I think as far as, you know, reporting on injuries and player movements and, and any league news, uh, we'll still be able to be as strong as we can possibly be. Um, I I think, I think the bubble gives a unique opportunity for us to focus on the player, the coaches and the front office staff, even more focus on, can't uh, focus on battles for for depth chart spots and and focus on uh you know the movement of the roster you know and and i think we'll be able to do that you know we can take the cutesy stuff out of it and just focus on the players and coaches and and i think that will produce plenty of content that will keep, keep people interested and keep them coming back to xfl press well i know that
0: uh that we're pretty excited for the season to come back because because Joe, I, I I don't want I don't want to speak for you, but I'm ready to talk about Renegade stuff again. You know, I yeah. I'm, I love the league, but I want to talk about my Renegades again for for at least a little bit here and there.
1: Yeah, there really hasn't been too much Renegades information. I know Donald Parham was on uh, Hard Knocks the other night, uh, and we, we we tweeted that out. I tweeted that out um, on the on the podcast site because that's a big thing. You know, he he killed it um with the renegades and what connor had said earlier about some of these players you know donald Parr went to stetson university i don't even know where that was that wyoming i think like you know this guy was <laughs> carolinas i thought wasn't it Was it it's uh, in florida florida florida
0: yeah wow. yeah north florida
1: you would think with the name like stetson it'd be like in the west somewhere but uh <laughs> yeah i just you know a no-name guy and he killed it for the Ren. He was the number one receiver for the Renegades in the spring, and you know now look at him. He's on the he's on the NFL uh, roster, trying to trying to trying to make a spot. Um, and you know that's just that's something that the XFL has the power to do. It has the power to give these guys another chance to make it in the league. And you know you have uh, Jordan Taamu uh, in Kansas City. You have. Um, uh, Try names escape me but you know a lot of the xfl players pj walker, walker yeah I for, man, how do i forget pj oh, walker he hey, killed us
0: the the hawk got a spot with uh with the falcons too
1: right you're right i forgot about yeah we loved uh ball hawk yeah he he was the uh, one of the better defenders uh for the renegades so like i said you know the xfl gives those guys a chance and it gives them a chance to be loved by fans um when really, if it wasn't for the XFL, they'd be, you know, in indoor football league or something somewhere. So,
0: or Canadian football league. Hey, so. don't don't knock on my Frisco Fighters. They just
1: followed me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'll back off the uh, indoor indoor football <laughs> league. But I'm just I'm just <laughs> saying the XFL the XFL is like a small step down. From the NFL, so I, that's why I say I said what I said. No, no, no.
0: I I get you. I'm just I'm just messing with you. I'm trying to I'm trying to like get my claws into into the indoor football league just to see what kind of talent gets there because there were some IFL players that were actually getting picked up by the XFL in the middle of the season right before COVID hit. And so
1: Devonte Kincaid.
0: Yeah, that was that was my prime example. But there's. There's plenty of opportunities out there, and I'm excited for those opportunities to resume and what kind of talent the XFL is going to recruit, and for XFLpress.com to be bringing all of that coverage. Uh, That's kind of been what this episode's been about, more or less, is just kind of getting you all used to the idea of us being on XFLpress.com and uh, what kind of content you're going to be expecting from there, what kind of people are going to be a part of the staff. And uh, we were really excited to be able to have Connor Folk on the show with us tonight. Man, thank you again for taking time out of your night to, to joining us on this show.
2: Yeah, this was a blast. Uh, I'm sure we'll be able to do it again once, uh, once news actually starts coming out and stuff gets more exciting. So thanks for having me, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your night.
0: Where can the folks at home keep up with you if they're not doing so already?
2: Yes, so they can follow me on Twitter at K-O-N-N-O-R-F-U-L-K. And they can also follow XFL Press, if they are not already, at XFL P-R-E-S-S. And they can follow us at XFL Press on both Instagram and Twitter. We are we do have a Facebook page, which I'm sure we'll link on Twitter at some point. And then we uh, will be kicking off a youtube channel and we are fighting for uh to, to get to a thousand subscribers pretty fast uh on that youtube channel so we're really excited about the content we'll be pushing there
0: that's awesome joe where can the folks keep up with you in between episodes
1: y'all know you can find me on twitter joe scanlan tv um Instagram, Joe Scanlon TV. It's very similar. I have the same thing all across the board. Joe Scanlon for Facebook, and uh, yeah, you can check out some of the stuff I'm doing up here in Oklahoma. um I tweet a lot about sports. You already know those uh, who are you know diehard listeners of the show. But for those who may tune in, yeah, just uh, you know we tweet a lot about the Renegades. I tweet a lot about regular sports. So uh, it's a good time. Definitely check me out.
0: Yeah, and be sure to check out our podcast page as well. You can find us by just looking for Renegades Roundup on Facebook. Just a simple search there. Or go to at Renegades underscore pod on Twitter. Uh, We'll have the new episode posted there and on the XFL Press Twitter page and on XFLPress.com. You can also find me on social if you want by just going to ZachTheVoice, Z-A-C-H The Voice, Voice, all one word on Twitter, or Zach.TheVoice on Instagram. Somebody else took Zach the Voice all one word, so I had to put a little period in there somewhere. But (laughs) it's it's all good. I'm trying to reach out to him and see if he'll relinquish the name to me, but I don't know how successful that's going to be. But that's going to just about do it for this special introductory episode of XFL Press. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you all the next time. We've got some Renegades and XFL stuff to talk about. But for Connor and Joe, I'm Zach. And until next time... Raise some Raise hell.
1: Raise some hell. Yeah!